0: Church, if you have your Bibles this morning, would you open up to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, chapter 19. We have been making our way uh, through the gospel of Luke ever since Christmas, and uh, we come now to uh, a passage of scripture which which may seem a little strange for Easter Sunday, uh, but I believe that every text of scripture is appropriate for Easter Sunday because it all points to Jesus. who is the source and the center of what Easter is all about. And so as we come this morning to uh, Luke chapter 19, we're going to see an old familiar story that if you uh, grew up in church or ever attended vacation Bible school, you probably at some point heard the story of the man named Zacchaeus. And probably you might remember that there was a song that went along with that story, and some of you are already singing it in your head, and you, and you wish that it wouldn't get stuck in there, but it's going to. This will be your earworm for the day. And it went something like this. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree, for he wanted the Lord to see. You know the rest of it? Okay, what's the next part? Before I'm going to your house today, all right, very good, good, our college students know it, that's excellent, there you go, that's good, so Zacchaeus, the wee little man, now I always had a little bit of a problem with that song growing up, there, was, there were two issues with that problem, first of all, to me, Jesus sounds just a little bit rude in that song, when we were, when we were taught to sing it, we were taught to say, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. Okay, so I always thought Jesus sounded just a little bit rude in the song. And, and also, the song leaves you wondering, okay, they went to Zacchaeus' house, but what happened when they got there? It leaves out the rest of the story, and I hope we're going to get the rest of the story uh, this morning. So let's, let's read this scripture today, Luke 19. We're going to begin there in verse 1. If you could stand in honor of the Word of God this morning as we share these scriptures together. Luke 19, beginning in verse 1, and speaking of Jesus, it says, He entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. That's the uh, politically correct way of saying he was a wee little man. And so he ran on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, that's them being the crowd that was following Jesus. When they saw these events, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And this is the word of the Lord. You can be seated this morning. And Father God, as we are seated together, we have come into a holy moment. A time to meet with you. A time to hear from your word. A time for us to be changed. Lord, make us grateful for these things. May we not join in with the crowd that was grumbling, but rather may the attitude of our hearts be that of Zacchaeus, one of joyful gratitude. May we leave this place today rejoicing in the fact that we have been redeemed by the blood of the perfect Savior, the only name given under heaven by which we might be saved. His name is Jesus, and in his name we pray. Amen. And so I want to talk to you today about Easter's Wee Little Man. Again, this may seem like a strange text of Scripture to come to on Easter Sunday, but I hope that you'll see as we walk through these ten verses today that this text is extremely appropriate for Easter because not only is this the story of Jesus, but here we see the intersection of Jesus' story and our story. As we look to Zacchaeus today, my prayer for us is this, that we would see ourselves in this wee little man and see that just like Zacchaeus, we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And Christ is that Savior who came seeking that wee little man in the tree those many years ago, and perhaps today He is seeking you. Let's jump right in this morning. From the very beginning, we see here demonstrated for us in this text, the seeking sovereign. The Bible is ultimately God's story. It begins in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The holy God, perfect in all of his attributes, made a world that was without sin and without death. It was what was perfect, just as he is perfect And in the middle of that world, He created a garden known as the Garden of Eden. And in that garden, He put two people, the first two people, Adam and Eve, and He gave them authority over the world. He he gave them the authority over the animals and over all of the creation. And everything was very good. Until Genesis chapter 3, when those... Two people who were given authority by God to rule and to reign and were given choice. They were given the ability to make their own decisions. And it was until that day in Genesis chapter 3 when they rebelled against their holy God. They broke His commandment. And sin entered into the world. Sin is the breaking of the law of God. And sin entered into the world and everything was ruptured. And ever since then, sin and death has ruled in the creation of God. But we look forward and Easter reminds us that one day these things will no longer be so. Because our Savior has come and He has rescued us from sin and death by His blood poured out at the cross. Our God has come seeking us. You remember that just after they sinned in the garden, what did Adam and Eve do? They sought to hide From God because of their guilt and because of their shame. And just like them, so many of us have spent so much of our lives trying to hide from God. And yet, as Psalm 139 reminds us, where can we go from Him? If we were to hide in the depths of the sea, He's there. If we were to seek to hide in the highest of the heavens, there He is. There's nowhere we can go from Him, there's nowhere that we can flee from His presence. We are sinners in need of a savior and God comes seeking us in the person of Jesus Christ and so on this day in verse 1 Jesus entered into the city of Jericho you'll remember the city of Jericho from the Old Testament is the one that the Israelites first encountered when they entered into the promised land and it's the one where they they marched around the city and you remember that old song from VBS and the walls came tumbling down well that's the city of Jericho It had a long history And by this time in history Jericho was one of the the wealthiest cities In that region And so Zacchaeus there Being a tax collector in Jericho Was a very, very wealthy man And Jesus came to Jericho Passing through But you'll notice He would not pass by Until he encountered Zacchaeus You see, by God's plan, Jesus was passing through in hot pursuit of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is us, a man whose life had been ravaged by sin, and his case had been ravaged by greed. It was known, the tax collectors of those days were known as some of the greatest of sinners. In fact, many times in Scripture you see these two put together, sinners and tax collectors. They are right side by side with one another. And many times through the book of Luke, we have seen Jesus criticized for spending time with sinners and tax collectors, for eating with them, for going into their homes, for associating himself with them. In fact, Jesus even called one of those tax collectors, one known as Levi, to be one of his twelve disciples. Jesus was a Savior who is not afraid to associate himself with sinners. That's worthy of saying praise be to God because we are those sinners. And so Jesus was passing through. He's in hot pursuit. He's looking for Zacchaeus. There is a divine appointment that's about to take place here in this text. As Jesus prays in John 17 and He prays for His church, for those who would follow Him, who would trust Him by faith and receive the gift of eternal life, Jesus prayed this in John 17. He said, this is eternal life. This is it. It's right here. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. If you want to know the pathway to eternal life this morning, it is found in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him, and yet the way is open to the Father through Him that all may come who would. And He goes on to say, I glorified You, Father, on earth, having accomplished the work that You gave Me to do. Do you remember some of Jesus' last words at the cross when He said, It is finished. He completed the work that the Father had given Him to do. And part of that work is right here in Luke chapter 19. Part of that work was that Jesus would go through the city of Jericho and He would encounter a wee little man in a tree named Zacchaeus. This was part of God's eternal plan. You see, none of us are too small to be a part of the plan of God. You may have come in this morning believing that perhaps there was no part for you in the plan of God. That God had somehow overlooked you. That perhaps you were pushed out of those who might follow Him. Perhaps like Zacchaeus, you were bought way back in the crowd somewhere. But Jesus comes seeking to save the lost. It says of Zacchaeus here that he was a rich man. Two things you need to know about tax collectors in those days. Number one, they were hated because they worked for the Romans. These were Jewish people who took up uh, jobs with the Romans as tax collectors, and they were hated because they were working for the enemy. The Jews hated their Roman oppressors. And so anyone who took a job under the Roman Empire, as these tax collectors did, automatically became an outcast among their Jewish brothers and sisters. But even more than that, it was not just because they worked for the Romans, but they were also hated because they cheated their own people. The Romans required them to uh, collect a certain amount of tax, and it was a well-known practice of the tax collectors that they would collect extra in order to lie in their own pockets. I figure many of them thought, well, if we're already hated, we might as well get rich off of it. And so they did. And they lined their pockets and they became rich. And it says here not only that Zacchaeus was a tax collector, but you notice it says he was a chief tax collector. He had risen up through the reins of the tax collecting organization. He was the crime boss, if you will, of Jericho, robbing his own people as he worked for the Roman government. He was the last person in town that you would think the Son of God would come seeking And yet he is the only one in town that gets a face-to-face, interpersonal interaction with Jesus. The Savior comes seeking the lost. You see, Zacchaeus' name, in all irony, his name means the righteous one. I'm sure everyone in town mocked that wee little man because of his name. No one considered him to be righteous. He was the worst man in town. No one wanted to go to Zacchaeus' house. No one wanted to be seen associating with him. Perhaps his only friends were other tax collectors and sinners. And yet he was going to make a new friend on this day. And him whose name meant the righteous one would meet the one who is truly righteous. The righteous one who left all the riches of heaven to enter into our poverty. You see, Jesus didn't come as a king in a castle. His earthly ministry was basically lived down as a homeless man going from place to place, dependent upon the hospitality of those who invite invite him in, those like Zacchaeus on this day. He left the riches of heaven and stepped into our poverty. Even if he had been a king in a castle, understand, this morning, that would have been the greatest step down that had ever happened in history when he left the riches of heaven to step into our existence. But he humbled himself even more than that. And Philippians chapter 2 says he humbled himself even more than that and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. You see, the death of the cross was a despised death. You were considered cursed by God, anyone who was hanged upon a tree. But Jesus took that death for us. 2 Corinthians 8 For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And that's exactly what happened in the life of Zacchaeus, this rich man in the eyes of the world, and yet he was so utterly spiritually poor. He was so destitute in his soul and Jesus came along on that day to bring him deliverance and the the riches of heaven, the riches of glory would be given to Zacchaeus through the Son of God on that day. Let's talk a little more about Zacchaeus this morning. Look at verses 3 and 4 and you see the seeking sinner. Zacchaeus perhaps had heard about Jesus. Perhaps he had heard about some of the miracles, some of the teachings, Perhaps he had heard that Jesus had welcomed into his number of disciples a tax collector named Levi. Perhaps he even knew Levi and their tax collecting circle. For whatever reason, on that day when Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming through town, Zacchaeus wanted to see him. We don't know all of the reasons. We don't know the desires of his heart that were wrapped up in going to the Jesus parade on that day and seeking to see this one called Jesus of Nazareth. We don't don't know all that was wrapped up in in Zacchaeus' mindset. We can apply that to ourselves this morning. I could ask you this morning, why are you here today? Why did you come to church on this Easter Sunday? Is is it just a tradition that that you are fulfilling? Perhaps if I were to ask you why you are here, you'd say, I don't really know why I'm here. My my mom made me come, or it's just what we do on Easter, or or, this seemed seem like the right thing to do uh, on Easter Sunday. But I want you to understand this morning, even though I don't know that Zacchaeus understood the fullness of what was going to happen to him that day, he had no idea what the Son of God was going to do in his life. But he came thinking he was seeking Jesus. You see, Zacchaeus thought that he was seeking to see Jesus, but the reality was this. Jesus was seeking to save him. Because look at Jesus' purpose statement in verse 10. The Son of Man, that's Jesus' favorite designation for Himself. The Son of Man came for this purpose, to seek and to save the lost. In this case, it was this wealthy tax collector, this man of of little stature known as Zacchaeus. He becomes the emblem for what the Son of Man, what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is all about. He is constantly about seeking and saving the lost. And I want you to know this morning, if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ, If you have not yet turned from your sins and trusted Him by faith, I want you to know this morning that He is seeking you because that is His mission. You see, there are many of us that came with the wrong impression when we came to Jesus. We came thinking that we were seeking after Him, when in reality, He always sought us first. And it must be this way. Because just like Adam and Eve in the garden, in our sin we hide. We cower. We don't want anyone to know the reality of who we are and what we've done. Romans 3 reminds us none of us are righteous, not even one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All of us have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. That's our sinful condition. It was the condition of Zacchaeus, and it is our condition as well. None of us come seeking after God. Therefore, He must come seeking after us or we will not be saved. If you don't yet know Jesus this morning, I want you to know He is seeking to save those who are lost in their sin. And Jesus on that day, He would not pass by without performing the divine prerogative. What is the divine prerogative, you might ask? It's this. To seek and to save the lost. Jesus was all about two things. Glorifying His Father and doing good to the people He came in contact with. By the way, church, that ought to be exactly what we're about as the people of God. We ought to be all about glorifying our Father who is in heaven and doing good to everyone that we come in contact with. It's a great uh, representation of what the Christian life is all about. And so Jesus came into Jericho that day. And he's on a divine mission. There's a little man, a tax collector there, who needs to come face to face with his Savior. There's a man who's caught in the entrapments of sin, who needs to know that there is salvation in no other name but Jesus Christ. And he came seeking to save the lost. Ephesians chapter 2, after it describes the depths of our sin and our rebellion against God, says this, But God... To the most beautiful words in all of Scripture. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 4 calls out to us this question. What can a dead man do if it is true, as the Bible says, that we are dead in our trespasses and sins? That spiritually speaking, we were stillborn into this world. And what can a dead man do about his condition? Absolutely nothing. We must have the resurrection power of God come into our lives through faith in Jesus Christ to resurrect in us what was killed by sin. It's by grace that we're saved. When God does for us what we could never do for ourselves. Thirdly, this morning, let's look at the seeking Savior. His mission statement to seek and to save the lost. And it comes upon this Zacchaeus character who everyone in Jericho would have considered the lostest of the lost, if that's a term. The most wicked man in town. Surely he can't become a part of the kingdom of God. Surely there's no salvation for one like Zacchaeus. Surely a righteous teacher like Jesus wouldn't even speak to a man like that, much less go and share a meal in his home and spend the nights. And yet Jesus came seeking to save the lost. And he comes face to face with Zacchaeus and he looked up into that tree. And I think in a whole lot more gentler tone than the old song used to sing. He said, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree, for I must, I must stay at your house today. You might underline that word in your Bibles. I must, Jesus said. Not I might stay at your house, or Zacchaeus, could I stay at your house? But he says, I must stay at your house. The Greek word that, that's hiding behind that word must there, the Greek word is, is the word day, which means in, in the Greek, it's, it's of divine necessity. It's necessary for me. Jesus is saying by the plan of God, it's necessary that I go to your house. Jesus was always about fulfilling the will of the Father and doing good to those who he came in contact with. And he says, it's not Zacchaeus that I might go or if you would invite me, I would, but I must. It's of divine necessity that I stay at your house. Why was it so necessary? Because he who called Zacchaeus down from the tree would soon take up a tree himself to save us. This was his last interpersonal interaction before he heads out of Jericho and enters into Jerusalem just a few miles away. And he would enter into Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday to shouts of Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. And the Jesus parade was at its highest moment there as they they shouted praise unto the name of God as Jesus entered into the city on the back of that colt. But then just days later, the same voices that were shouting Hosanna, glory to God in the highest we're shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. Give us Barabbas, the greatest traitor that was in the jail at that time. Give us the worst sinner that's in the jail. Release Barabbas to us and kill this Jesus because we want nothing to do with him. And 1 Peter chapter 2 says this, So he himself bore our sins and his body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. That's exactly what Jesus Christ was doing at the cross that first Good Friday. He was there by the divine plan of God to rescue lost sinners like you and me. Again, to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. To cleanse us of all of our unrighteousness. To rescue us from our sin. To bring us to life as he would come to life just three days later. You see, it was for the joy of glorifying God and saving sinners that Jesus endured the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ was the most purposeful event in all of history. It was so laden with content. We can spend all of our lives coming again and again to the cross of Christ, and we will never exhaust it of its glory. May we never grow tired of seeing of the old rugged cross where he laid his life down for us. And may we never grow weary of looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. The cross was not drudgery for the Son of God, it was for the joy set before him. What joy? The joy of glorifying His Father and doing good to us and rescuing us from our sin. Who for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despised the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And that is what Easter is all about, ladies and gentlemen. Easter is about the fact that a holy God saw fit to rescue rebellious sinners like us through His righteous Son who gave Himself on the cross for us, who laid His life down so that we might take up eternal life through faith in Him. You see, when the Son of Man comes seeking and saving the lost, sinners get saved. Zacchaeus' his life was so radically transformed. The richest and most wicked man in town overnight was a changed man. And so let's look as we finish up this morning at verses 8 through 10, and you see there the sinner saved. And again, I want to urge you this morning to see yourself in the wee little man of Easter. I want to urge you to see yourself in Zacchaeus today and see that the same pathway he walked is available to you The same Jesus who came seeking Zacchaeus is today seeking to save the lost. It's the same gospel. And perhaps the Lord would say to you today, I must come to your house that you might know me and be changed by me. So how is the sinner saved? Well, first of all, we remind ourselves that Christ relinquished his own life in order to restore us to life with God through faith in him. This is what the gospel is all about, that he laid his life down for us. 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, we all know John 3, 16. 1 John 3, 16 is equally as powerful. By this we know love. Here's the ultimate demonstration of love that has ever occurred. By this we know love, that He laid down His life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You see, that's exactly the response that Zacchaeus had. It's what we call biblically repentance. Repentance means a turning away from sin. It's a a 180 degree shift in orientation and direction. Repentance is that change of mind and change of heart that results in a change of direction in our lives. Repentance is when God changes a lost sinner Drawing that individual unto himself and setting them on a completely new path, and so would you hear Zacchaeus's repentance this morning? In verse eight, Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord. Uh, literally, there, uh, the Greek there, and stood. Says he. Uh, li- literally, he took his stand. He took his stand in that moment, and he said to the Lord, "Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor." My net I'm worth, I'm going to divide it in half. And half of it I want to give to the needs of the poor here in Jericho. But not just that. He said, I know I've cheated others as a tax collector. And so and if I've defrauded anyone, the if there really could just as easily be translated. And since I've defrauded many people, since I've cheated others as a, as a tax collector, what am I going to do? If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I want to restore it fourfold. Now do the math here. As rich as he might have been, he's going to cut his net worth in half from the get-go. And then he's going to go back through all of his books. And he's going to look and he's going to see the tax records of the Joneses. And how last year he cheated them out of $1,000. And he's going to restore that $4,000. And and he's going to look there... And he's going to see the Stevens family. And he's going to see that he he stole from them $800. And he's going to restore to them $3,200. It's not going to take long before the richest man in town becomes the poorest man in town. And yet spiritually speaking, the reason that's going to happen is because the poorest man in town, spiritually speaking, has now become among the wealthiest. He saw that it was worth trading out the riches of this world for the riches of glory. That the crowns of this life cannot compare with the glory that's yet to be revealed in us. Zacchaeus was changed. And his actions demonstrate his repentance. And I just want to say to us this morning, we cannot call it repentance if it's not evidenced by a changed life. Zacchaeus was so radically different. In fact, history goes on to record that later he was one of the main leaders in the church at Caesarea. He was so radically changed by this one-day encounter with Jesus. He could not continue in his old sinner tax collector ways. He had to do something so radically different and he absolves himself of all of his wealth in this moment that he might receive the riches of glory. I want to be very clear this morning. Zacchaeus was not saved because he got rid of all of his wealth. Works like that will merit you nothing in the kingdom of God. Works like that will merit you nothing. But because Zacchaeus was rescued by faith in Jesus Christ. It only made sense to do what he did. His faith saved him and changed him. And then Jesus gives us his mission statement. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. How did he do that? And what was getting ready to happen just days later in the city of Jerusalem, you see Jesus came seeking and saving the lost through His life, death, burial, and resurrection. This is the mission statement of all of His ministry. He came seeking and saving the lost. When He was born of the Virgin Mary, He came seeking and saving the lost. When He came to John the Baptist to be baptized in the Jordan River, He was seeking to save the lost. When he went out teaching and healing and doing all of the miracles that he did, he, was, he had this one mission, seeking and saving the lost, bringing glory to his Father by doing good to us, by saving us from our sin, We're doing what only he could do, only the perfect Son of God to, could die the death that would redeem us and make us right with God. And so we'll close with this this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The Apostle Paul, a man who was just as radically changed as Zacchaeus by his encounter with the living Christ, said, I delivered to you, Church, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. By the way, Church, we have nothing we did not receive from God. All of it's a gift. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. This is top shelf truth. This is of first importance for us. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that, my friends, is what Jesus is all about. And that is what Easter is all about. And I know that there will be many family festivities today and probably many Easter egg hunts and and glorious meals, but let us not miss it this morning. Let us step into the shoes of Zacchaeus and may the desire of our hearts be to see him. And may the Lord take that desire to see Him and may He turn it into us knowing Him. Because that's where salvation is found. And I want to tell you this morning that when you come face to face with the living Christ, when you understand the power of His resurrection for you, you cannot remain the same. It is not enough just simply to pray some prayer or to walk the aisle in a church or get dunked in a baptistry. If your life has not been radically changed by Jesus Christ, then I want to urge you this morning to consider, have you truly met Him? Because Jesus will take you as you are, but He will by no means leave you that way. He cannot. Because His mission is to seek and to save the lost. And that is radical Transformation. And so would you step into the shoes of Zacchaeus this morning? Would you be reminded this morning that whatever riches you have in this world amount to nothing if you continue in the spiritual poverty of sin? Would you see this morning the Son of Man and Son of God coming to seek and to save you? And He has laid out the pathway of salvation so clearly. It's all about repentance and faith, turning from sin and trusting in Christ. Laying hold of what He has done fully and completely for us. When He said at the cross, it is finished, He meant it. So I urge you this morning, would you see Jesus? Do you know Jesus? And has your life been radically transformed by Jesus? If so, there is much to celebrate.